Hi friends, my name is Kyle and I get to be the lead pastor of Friends Church Orange. On behalf of myself and our team and our entire church family, we are thrilled that you're choosing to listen to this message and invest in your relationship with God. We believe that he's going to be speaking to you and inviting you to become more of who he created and designed you to be. So if there's anything we can do to serve you on that journey, we invite you to reach out to us. But for now, enjoy this message and listen for God's voice. Well, we, uh, we are continuing in our Good Life series. How many of you have ever heard the phrase or ever said the phrase, actions speak louder than words? Pretty common, right? It's a principle we all understand. And kind of underneath embedded in that is the sense that how we live shows who we live for. How we are living our life shows who we're living for. And there's lots of different ways and threads that this shows up in our world, right? So I'm a huge sports fan. Go to games, watch games. Lots of us have seen it. And it's amazing, right, how you see these arenas and stadiums full of people. And some of them, you get a sense of who they're for, right, by how they show up with their jerseys and their colors. And we've gotten way beyond, like, face paint. Now it's like full body paint. It's crazy. They're spelling things out in letters and stuff stuff. You know, it's unbelievable. And not only there, how many of you have ever been to Disneyland, right? So I mean, it's close. We get the privilege to love Disneyland. But here's what's interesting. Like there's kind of the Disneyland goer and then it's like someone you can tell they're living for Disneyland. You know what I mean? It's like the entire family has the shirts and the hats and the bags. And some of you are those people and we love you for that. It's fantastic because how we live, we can see who you live for. Uh, not only that, we know if I were to take your phone, if you were to hand your phone to your, to your neighbor, and we just started scrolling through, like what's on your TikTok, what's on your Instagram, what are your, te- like we'd get a sense of what's important to you by who you're following and what that looks like. There's clubs for everything, right? I was looking yesterday, there is a, a cat lover's club, there's a fitness club, there's a, there's a dog lover's club. It's unbelievable, right? And you get a sense of how we live shows who you live for. By the way, do you know there's like 36,000 people in the Dog Lovers Club on Instagram? Do you know how many people in the Cat Lovers Club? Over 5 million. (laughs) Right! Wasn't that stunning? I couldn't believe it. But how we live shows who we live for. If we were to come into your home, we could walk around and we could look around. How is it decorated? We could get a sense of the artwork on the walls, the pictures that are up or maybe not up, and we'd be getting a sense of what's important to you. How you live is who you live for. This past week, I was reminded of that, right, as we're reading through the Bible in one year together. Don't you love the Bible in one year? That's so great. I love the Bible in one year. You're reading through it or just listening to, you know, Nikki and Pippa and those British accents giving it to us every day. But here's the thing. We were reading through the Bible in one year, and I was reminded of what this looks like, how we live, shows who we live for. How many of you would recognize this person? That, of course, is Mother Teresa, right? And this past week, in the Bible in one year, there was some commentary on Mother Teresa. And it said this, people often ask me what Mother Teresa was like, writes Shane Claiborne in his book, The Irresistible Revolution. Sometimes it's like they wonder if she glowed in the dark or had a halo, She was short, wrinkled, precious, maybe even a little ornery, like a beautiful, wise, old granny. But there's one thing I'll never forget, her feet. Her feet were deformed. 
Every morning I would stare at them and I wondered if she had contracted leprosy. One day a sister explained, her feet are deformed because we get just enough donated shoes for everyone. And mother doesn't want anyone to get stuck with the worst pair, so she digs through and finds the worst pair to wear. After years of doing that, her feet have become deformed because of those shoes. You see, years of loving her neighbor as herself deformed her feet. When people are asked about the person whose life they admire the most, so often the answer is Mother Teresa. She made the most of her life, and it's a paradox because her life was a life of self-denial, taking up her cross and following Jesus. How we live shows who we live for. So the obvious question is, what does your life say about who you live for? If someone were to eavesdrop on the conversations that you had this week, if someone were to take your phone and scroll through your TikTok or your Instagram or your text messages or your emails or your websites, if someone was to follow you into the classroom at school or into your workplace or your vocation or maybe just sit in a corner in your house and watch the way or listen to the way you treat one another at home or talk to each other, what would your life say about you? You see, that is the invitation that God's going to give every single one of us today as we continue in this series, The Good Life. Because we've been learning that the good life is a life with God. The good life is only a life with God. And we've been seeing how that good life is, is a life of hope. It's a hopeful life. The good life is a holy life. The good life, last week we learned it's a redeemed life where Jesus reaches down and he saves you and he grabs a hold of you and he doesn't let you go and he calls you chosen and he calls you my people. You're forgiven and you're free and you're loved. And then this week, Peter's kind of going to turn the page a little bit and say, in light of all that, how then should we live? What should our life say about us as we walk with God in this good life. And what you're going to see is that the good life is an honorable life, an honorable life that honors God and it honors others. So I want to invite you guys, if you would, grab your Bibles. If you brought your Bible, turn back to 1 Peter Chapter two, if you don't have a Bible and you need one, we would love for you to have a Bible. There are always Bibles available at that next steps corner back there. Feel free to take it with you. Everyone needs a Bible. You gotta be able to hear God's voice and circle and underline and write down how he's speaking to you. So turn to 1 Peter chapter two. Now remember, this is a letter that Peter's writing to the church, right? And we have to remember, Peter is, he's not like listening to some distant account. Peter was like best friends with Jesus, he had like a front row seat to everything that Jesus was and everything that he said and everything that he did. It'd be like you writing about the person you're sitting next to. It'd be like you writing about someone you know really well. So that's what Peter's writing to us, and he's writing to us about this good life that is the honorable life. Look at what it says, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away 
from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Here's what he's saying. Live in such a way that as people get to see and know and experience your life, they'll honor God. He's saying an, an honorable life honors God. And it makes sense, right? An honorable life honors God. And this is something that's consistent all throughout God's word. If you come to Friends Church Orange often, we talk about this a lot. This was God's design from the very beginning. The people might get to see and experience, not just him personally, but the whole world might be blessed because of his people. Remember that was that Old Testament promise to Abraham. It's like, oh, you're, you're my people and I'm gonna be your God, your father, and I'm gonna bless you so much. It's gonna go through you and we're gonna bless the whole world together, but it never worked. And so what did he do? He had to send Jesus into this world to, to, so that people might see and know God's heart and who he truly was and that Jesus would take on all the brokenness and the sin and the damage and that Jesus might then empower people that believe and trust in him to have this relationship restored with God their father so that then he could empower them and he could give them more than they would ever need that would overflow into this world around. That's what we were singing this morning, right? There's so much blessing. There's so much healing. There's so much love. There's so much grace. It's more than we could ever need. So what happens? Overflow into the world. That's what he's saying. That's God's design from the beginning. And here's what it says, right? The key is living properly. We say, how's this gonna happen? Well, make sure that you live properly, that people might, what? See your honorable behavior because actions speak louder than words. And how you live shows who you live for. So that's what he's reminding us. Now, here's the thing. I love the Bible. Oftentimes you think, the Bible's so confusing. It's so hard to read. I don't know. Watch how simple this is. So we see an honorable life is, is honoring God. That's what he's saying. Just honor God with your life. And then he says, here's the key. Live properly so that people can see your honorable behavior. All right. So let's just talk here for a minute. Literally, just want you guys to answer this question. What do you think it means to live properly? If you were to live properly, if people were to see honorable behavior in you, what would that look like? Kindness. Do the right thing. It's not that hard. This is not a trick question. Forgiveness. Honesty. Obedience. Gratitude. Integrity. What else? Generosity. We've been talking. I mean, we've been singing these things, talking about it all morning. Anything else? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. What? Empathy. That's right. Having a sense of the pain in people's lives and moving to. Do you see how? Isn't the Bible great? Like it's just not that hard. You go, oh, live properly. That's everything it means. The word there literally means good, beautiful, right, loving, kindness. He's saying this. This is what's really important, right? Because an honorable life that does these things honors God. And then people get to see God. Don't you love that the way it works? And here's the thing. This is all through the Bible. 
This is one of those big threads and themes that we see everywhere. Jesus, in one of his most famous sermons that's recorded in in Matthew 5, 6, 7, the Sermon on the Mount, right? This is what he says. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. (gasps) Peter was there when Jesus said that. Don't forget that. Like he's like, wait a minute, I think I heard Jesus say something about the way that we live and how we live shows who we live for and that actions speak louder than words. So if I'm gonna live an honorable life that honors God, that becomes everything. That's it, just live properly. Let your good behavior speak. But here's the thing. This doesn't come easily. All of these things don't just naturally happen in our life. Love, joy, forgiveness, generosity, kindness, empathy, right? See, see, none of that just unfolds in our life. How do we know that? Well, this world is painful. We look back at our lives and our stories, maybe even some of the relationships that we have today are frayed because these things weren't evident in them. But not only our lives and the world proves it, again, you gotta love the Bible. Peter actually calls it out and says, this is really hard. Look at what he says, verse 11, very beginning. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful. I love the message translation of this. Really simplifies it. It says this, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. This world isn't your home, right? He's saying when, you, when, you've, when you've chewed to trust and follow Jesus, when you reestablish that relationship with God through him, there's an eternal perspective that you have on life that, oh, I'm looking forward and longing for that day when I get to be with him. And so he's saying this world isn't your home. Don't, don't, you shouldn't be too comfortable in it. It's gonna constantly rage a war for your soul. It's gonna invite you to indulge in those selfish desires. It's gonna wanna invite you to numb the pain that the world happens. If I could just get rid of this fear, if I could just get rid of this anxiety, if I could just get rid of this addiction, if I could just, and then you wanna feel good. If I could just feel good for a moment. If I could just get a quick hit. Ah, if I wanna satisfy every desire that comes my way and every feeling, it must be a right feeling, so I need to go get that feeling. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. He's he's like, you gotta be careful. And this is what he's saying. If you're going to live an honorable life that honors God, you've got to be careful, not comfortable. You've got to be careful. You've got to pay attention to what comes your way. You've got to pay attention to your actions and your thoughts. Remember, we just talked about that a few weeks ago. You've got to be careful. Because here's the thing. The gravity and the pull of the world is not towards Jesus. The gravitational pull of this world is not towards love and kindness and generosity and empathy and grace and serving one another in love. The gravitational pull of this world is towards what? Towards comfort. This world's painful, I wanna ease that pain. I have desires, I wanna satisfy those desires. And he's going, no, you gotta stop, be careful. Don't be too comfortable. Remember, this world isn't your home. What he's saying is Christians, Christ followers, You have to remember, 
This world isn't your home, so it's always going to be uncomfortable. If you're too comfortable, it's dangerous. Max Lucado, great author, speaker, he has a great story in one of his books where he's describing this concept like being on a plane, like taking a, a plane trip. And imagine we're all flying to like this incredible exotic vacation, like the vacation of our dreams, right? It's like, wouldn't we rather just get there? And so the plane and that journey becomes a necessary evil just to arrive there. And so, you know, we kind of stuff ourselves back in those seats and you're crammed and we're probably all gonna get crammed in a middle seat and we're there and we've got like our bags of peanuts and we're trying not to take the armrest from the people next to us and pulling down masks and sipping water and it's terrible and the smells and everything and we're probably in the back row. And he's going, here's the thing, it's a necessary evil to get where you're going, it shouldn't be that comfortable and we know it. So as soon as the plane stops, what does everybody do? Stands up. It's hysterical, right? It's like, we know. We've done this. We've traveled. We've flown. We know it's going to take at least five, ten minutes at least for the door to open and people to work their way back. Sometimes we're not even in a gate. We're still out on a taxiway waiting to get to a gate and people are like unbuckling and you got to be like, no, 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 sit back down because we're uncomfortable and we just want to get off the plane. Except the people in first class. <laughs> and you know who you are. And we walk by, and sometimes they're just still asleep <laughs> up there. We're whirling it, right? Those seats that lay back, and now they lay flat, and they got their blankets, and they've, you know, had their warm cookies all night with their drain, the warm towel to kind of spot their face. And it's like, oh, leave me alone. They're like, wait, we're here? We're here? Oh, I'm sorry. Can I just stay here? It's like, no, get off the plane. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Some of you are trying to make this world first class. Some of you are a little too comfortable. And Peter's saying, hey, you got to remember this world's uncomfortable. It should be. You got to be careful. Because if you want to live the good life, a life with God, where you honor him by living an honorable life, you got to be careful. Don't get too comfortable here. The second thing we see, verse 13, as we continue, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials that he's appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you're free, yet you're God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. So we see that an honorable life honors God and here what he's saying is, look, an honorable life honors others. All of the others, including and especially all the authority. All the human authority that's established. And here's the thing, that's the invitation. And I'm sure that many of us are thinking, Peter is so naive. There's no way that he could have seen this century and all that we're dealing with and wrestling with, with the political structures and the social structures and the people that we love or the people that we don't love and all of our opinions of everything they're in and the laws that exist. It's like, Peter, how could you possibly write that? That, he must not have meant that. And yet, we have to remember 
who he was writing to. We have to understand what was happening in the first century and how radical this was, that he would write to them that an honorable life honors others, including authority, human authority. Because remember, Peter is writing to Christians, to the church, that are being absolutely oppressed. They are scattered all around the world. They're running for their lives, literally and figuratively. Their families are being torn apart. They're being hated and manipulated and abused, literally, by the systems, politically and socially in that day. And yet, Peter says, hey, if we're going to live a good life, we got to honor God, and we have to honor others, including authority. Because how we live in this moment will show others who we're living for. And our actions are going to be louder than any words we could speak. And I think what's really critical is the first four words. For the Lord's sake. You see... He's saying, I know this seems impossible. I know it seems like the craziest invitation and ask in the world. But you've got to remember, for the Lord's sake, honor others, including authority. He's saying it's not about the king. It's not about the leaders. It's not about who gets appointed. Because what happens? All of those people are going to come and go over time. It's not about the political systems or the social structures. It's about God. It's about him and it's about his sake. It's about his authority. It's about his voice. It's about he was the first, he will be the last, and he's the final authority in the world. He's the one that creates the sandbox for anybody to play in. He's the one that holds evil on a leash. Remember, for the Lord's sake, we have to have that eternal perspective on who God is. And that's what it starts with. We see this, he's saying stay focused on him and anything we're gonna interpret in the world should be interpreted first and foremost through him for the Lord's sake. It's like he's saying, here's what I want you to do. Anything that you encounter in the world, I want you to see it through the lens of God. So whatever political systems exist, whatever social structures, whatever evil, whatever's taking place, whatever laws, whatever debates, whatever's happening out here, even in your own identity, relationally or spiritually, whatever's happening, it has to be viewed through the lens of God. You see, what happens is oftentimes we want to take these things and put them here and see God through a political lens or see God through a social lens or see God through a relational lens, or see, and he's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's God first. For the Lord's sake, see these things in perspective for what they are. That's the only way. You're gonna be able to honor the authority. And here's what matters. Here's what's at stake. He says it's God's will, again, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Again, the message version says this, it's God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think that you're a danger to society. It's God's will that you do good. Your life, your actions will be louder than your words. Your life will show who you live for. That's what he's saying. You will see this and you think, wait, a danger to society? 
How were these Christians scattered around fleeing for their lives? How were they viewed as a danger to society? Well, you gotta understand, in that day, they still believed that they were somehow gonna rise up and overthrow the Roman Empire. They were gonna take over the political and legal and even social or religious institutions that they worked so hard to protect. There was so much fear, which is why they were oppressing them and scattering them. That's why they crucified Jesus, remember? It's like he didn't spend a lot of time on the political system, he didn't spend a lot of time on the social structures. He didn't talk a lot about Caesar or Pilate. Or he didn't worry his time. What was he focused on? Honoring God and honoring others. That was it. But they were afraid. They were afraid of that. And he's saying, here's what's going to silence all that. Just do good. Don't try and argue. You don't need to say a lot. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Let your life show who you live for. And it's really not that different for us, is it? I mean, so often the, the churches, we were viewed as, oftentimes as Christians as a danger to society because of what we're against or how we've been against it. Oftentimes I feel like we've talked too much and not done enough. And so you need to know for us, if you're going to jump in this journey with us at Friends Church Orange, we're going to talk less and do more. Because that's what we believe Jesus did, and that's what we believe Peter's inviting us into, and that's what we believe the best life is found, the good life, a life with God, is on this great adventure of honoring God and honoring others. It's what we see all through God's word. Again, let your life speak. Everything we talked about, you know, live properly. You guys, we know what that looks like. And he's saying, that's great. Then just do those things. And it'll be unbelievable how that'll change the world. And we see this all through God's word. It says God, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? It's his love. It's his grace. It's his compassion. We see it in Galatians, right? It's teaching us, you're free. Same thing in this way. You're free. But make sure you use your freedom to do what? To serve one another in love. Don't use your freedom to take. Don't use your freedom to indulge your selfish desires and comfort. Do you understand this? The Bible's so repetitive. It says the same thing a million ways because we just don't want to believe it or we just don't want to live it. In Romans chapter 12, Paul captures it, the essence this way. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Mm, doing good. You know what the translation of the word honorable is? Good. Over and over, the good life is a life with God. An honorable life, it's a life of doing good. It's what it says over and over and over again. Conquer evil by doing good. It's what unfolded in the first century, right? We've seen that the church has somehow found a way to live and to survive and even thrive for thousands of years now. We see that what Jesus walked in and established, a, a life of doing good, of honoring God and honoring others was built into these early disciples. We see that not only Peter, but as they got together when Jesus was gone back to heaven and they're going, what do we do now? And they started establishing the first church in Acts. What did they do? 
They got the lens out and they said, well, we got to remember who God is and we got to look and see and we have to remember what he's called us to and who we are and what he's done. And out of that became this powerful expression where they would give and guess what? They had so much more than they needed. It worked its way out into the community and it says thousands of people on a weekly basis were coming to know Jesus and honor God because they were doing good and loving people. They weren't arguing their way through political debates or religious debates. They were saying, you know what we're here to do? Love God and love people, kind of like Jesus told us. That's enough. That's what they worked hard at. And it's not just that first church, it's what we see unfolding in the church in Ukraine. We're talking every single day to our church partners there, and you know what they're doing? They're doing their best to allow good to overcome the evil that's taking place there. They're still sending out every day. They're going out into the apartment buildings and communities where they would care for kids and families, people that couldn't even walk. They're going to pick them up and put them on buses and take them back to a camp that they own and to the church facility. And they're feeding them as best they can and they're caring for them and giving them beds. And they're sending some of them out of the country on trains into Poland and other places. Why? Because they're doing good. They're doing the best they know how to honor God and to honor others by doing good. Because people can see that actions speak louder than words. And who you live for is identified by the way that you live. This is what we're called to. It's what we do our best to do. Every single day. In new and creative ways as God provides. That's why yesterday we had our food pantry. The first Saturday of every month. Got to feed almost 250 people from our community the most we'd seen in a long time. And here's what I believe. That number's gonna go up because has anybody been to the grocery store lately? (laughs) And if they couldn't afford food a month ago or three months ago, we're gonna do good. It's why we opened this building to the youth centers of Orange. It's why we provide volunteers to care for them at the five different sites. Yes, we get to care for kids that are living at and below the poverty line, and we get to teach them, and we get to help them, but more importantly, you know what we get to do? We get to love them. They get to see somebody that believes in them and says, you're valuable. You're you're a world changer. You're going to change this world. You are so beautiful. You are so bright. You are so talented. And they start to believe in themselves because we honor God and we honor people and we do good. That's why we opened a shop. We don't care about clothes. We care about people. And if we have to sell t-shirts and invite things to care about people, we're gonna do that. Shh, it's the church in disguise. We're just living out what he's always called us to. And it's not just the church, it's not just these things, it's what you're called to. Remember where we started. What's your life say about you? It's when you show up at your classroom, when you show up at your workplace, you show up with Jesus. You show up like a light to the world. You can't show up the same. You've got to show up with love and kindness and grace. It's the way you show up at home. It's the way you show up at restaurants and coffee. It's just the way you show up. It's what we're all invited to. Chuck Swindoll has a great 
quote that captures this idea. It says, this recognition of existing authority coupled with a willingness to set aside one's own personal desires shows a deep dependence on God. When I don't have to argue about everything that's happening out there in the world, and I just stay locked in and focused on listening to God and doing good, that's a recipe for world change. An honorable life honors God and honors others. Peter closes this section with why you'd even want to. Verse 21, it says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, look at this last verse, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. You see, Peter finishes this section where he started. Remember, he was talking about there is a war, a battle for your soul. And then he gives us a way that we can walk the good life out by honoring God and honoring others. And he says, when you do that, Jesus guards your soul. He holds you. He protects you. He leads you. He provides for you. He will give you everything you need when you need it. Wouldn't you want Jesus to guard your soul? That's a good life. Would you close your eyes? Just in stillness, quiet. I invite you to do that because I just want you to listen to what God has been saying to you this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us enough to bring us to this moment and this space and this time with you. Thank you for inviting us into a good life, a great life, a life where you guard and hold and protect and provide everything we need every step of the way. And God, maybe there are places in our life where we've settled. Maybe we've settled for comfort. Maybe we've settled for convenience. I pray that you'd help us to turn loose of those things today in our life. Maybe there's places in our life we've settled for our own authority. Given authority to other people. So I pray, God, in this moment, you would help us to take that back and turn it over to you. 
so that through our lives, people could see who we live for as we honor you and honor one another as best we know how.